0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Tidbits at Ticketbud. I'm your host, Kahan, and today we have Paul Schomer of Micro Sessions. Paul produces a really exciting showcase uh, called Micro Sessions. Paul, tell us a little bit about Micro Sessions. It's, it's an interesting concept, it's hard to explain when you're emailing or texting someone, but give it to us.
1: Okay. Um, basically, it's a it's a live music showcase, just like any other music showcase would be. But um, instead of having one band follow another, what I do is I book four acts, in and I put them into four separate rooms at the same location. And they each play four 15-minute sets in a row at the same time in these separate rooms. So you're in
0: like a big music hall or some kind of... Interesting venue or...
1: No, no, we have to, you know, we have to find, it's very very specific, we have to find a venue with four separate individual rooms. We've hosted in music rehearsal spaces and a 19th century mansion, um, but mostly, uh, you know, gallery spaces work, uh, uh, you know, old schools, that kind of stuff. Um, So we have the four acts, and they play these four 15-minute sets in a row at the same time, and at the end of each... 15-minute set, the audience in each room moves as a group to the next room uh, until everyone's heard all four acts.
0: So it's a little bit like musical chairs, a little
1: bit. Uh, we, uh, we call it speed dating for live music. Um, it's, it's kind of like a house concert on steroids, or you know, there's all sorts of square dancing and merry-go-round analogies, but it's a lot of fun. People really get into it, and at the end of those four sets those four 15-minute sets, you know, and people move around and there's a little bit of time for the groups to move uh, from room to room and settle in. Um, That takes about an hour and 15 minutes or something, hour and 10 minutes. We have a longer fifth set simultaneous as well. Between 20 and 30 minutes, it's kind of up to the act, individual artist, um, where the audience groups that have been moving around to these four rooms, those groups break up and people kind of create their own encore. Literally, you can say, I'm going to, oh, how I love this guy or I came to see this guy originally, so I kind of want to see a full set by him or the woman in that room or that duo, you know. You can kind of bounce around even if you want. So my pitch is that in under two hours, you get to sort of experience these four um, different, you know, genre acts uh, and, you know, we give away beer, which also helps. <laughs> <laughs> get the little audience participation there exactly yeah. yeah so your next one's coming up the next one is um, April 21st here in Austin and we've been doing them uh, on Saturday nights primarily for the past two two plus years actually we started in February of 2016 um, and in July of 2017 last year we um, began hosting them in Long Island City Queens in New York um, which we also use Ticketbud for those events as well um, uh, and we hope to do um, four there this year, and yeah, we're, we're expanding it beyond that. But um, our next Austin show is uh, next Saturday night, April 21st. So what inspired you to come up with this idea? Well, I, uh, I was a big fan of, I'm a musician myself, and I've run, um, uh, I think we talked before the podcast a little about a showcase that I ran in Washington, D.C. in the late 90s called the DC Songwriter Showcase. It was a weekly thing. Um, so I've been involved in that for a while. Um, I did work at NPR um, in the early 2000s and was involved in producing All Songs Considered, which is a you know uh, 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 one of the best sort of new music discovery engines or sources on the internet uh, in, in the podcasting world. Um, so I've always been about music discovery. And one thing I've always liked are house concerts because... It's an intimate setting, and brings you back to high school a little bit. It kind of does, right? And and you know, just playing for a group of friends, that kind of thing. And I did. I went to a a house concert. What inspired the initial idea for micro sessions? And a friend of mine was playing, and all of a sudden there was some extra people on the bill. And I got there nice and early, and I didn't, you know, he didn't play until very late. And um, I just left the house thinking, you know. It could have been done more efficiently. It seems to be a weird thing to say. I thought, well, this was a really nice big home. And, you know, what if Tom had played, you know, on the deck? And then that other guy had played in the rec room downstairs. And and sort of by the time I got home, I kind of had figured it out. So really, it was
0: birthed out of this organic, you know, this was good, but there's this missed opportunity on the table here.
1: There is. It, you know, it was there was a missed opportunity in that, for, for a, a couple of reasons. One, it was too long. And the other was that, you know, if I didn't like something that I was listening to, you know, I have to sort of sit through Suffer that. Through it, and that's really. kind of a negative part about it. But, but the positive part about it is, you know, there were only maybe 30 people there. And my thought was like, well, now this is a good experience, basically... <laughs> How can I make a big mac out of it? How can I stack it up? How can I multiply that? Um, uh, so, so that's kind of what I did. I'm, I'm allowing, you know, it's an. Uh, I considered when I first initially thought of the idea and fleshed it out a little bit. I considered it sort of an untapped um, uh, 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 space in the live music area where. Instead of, so you're between a house concert and what's sort of the next thing is like a, you know, maybe a four or 500 person hall or a nightclub or a venue. Now, at a nightclub or a venue, you're not going to have that intimate experience. Oh, and by the way, in a 400 person hall, you're, you're going to have the reverence, the quiet, people sitting comfortably and listening to a show, but you're not going to have that intimacy that you do uh, with the house concerts. And I think that, yeah, the micro sessions, I saw it filling a void there.
0: So I've been paying attention to micro sessions, mm-hmm. looking at uh, you know each event, and they've definitely been growing and increasing in popularity. Yeah, how are you growing the brand? How are you? How have you been able to increase ticket sales, you know, event over an event? What's your What's your strategy?
1: Well, of course I, I do, you know I do, export all of my you know emails from Ticketbud. That's a big part of it. Um, each time, you know, each month I have been, in, especially in Austin, I have been selling more and more tickets. New York, we're just starting up, but this is going to be a pattern that we'll work with from Austin where we've been doing it, for, like I said, for a couple of years. So I, I yeah, I take the, the, from the ticket sales, I take those emails and I turn them back in. And of course, I have a mailing list um, that I send out information to. Right now, we're very modest, 500 people. Um, but uh, these are very motivated, you know, music-loving people, which is nice.
0: So you're getting a word-of-mouth audience. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No right. one goes to a concert by themselves.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, although, you know, it's interesting. I have had a lot of people come to me and say that several things about micro sessions. One is that it's the perfect first date, which I really like. And uh, the other is that it's very easy to go to by yourself as a as a solo, um, because you end up in a group, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, you know, orange team, blue team kind of stuff going on. Um, we give everybody these little round stickers to identify which group, uh, audience group they're in at the first. Um, uh, so I hope you're going to edit this because I forgot where I was going with that. No,
0: keep going, keep going. <laughs>
1: okay. Oh, you were saying how do I how do I promote? So, yes, we take the emails from TicketBud. That's a big thing. That's a big part of it, and we have a mailing list. But um, I also do, you know, I, I do social media is is... It's very crucial, very key to it. Um, uh, for a while, I was advertising on Facebook. I kind of have reached the point now where I don't really need to, but um, I will do that. I'll spend for each monthly event, you know, anywhere from 20 to $30 on Facebook. It's the best bang for your buck. Um, uh, a lot of people like to say, you know, <laughs> especially these days with, with uh, that young fellow on Capitol Hill um, testifying uh, about privacy and all that kind of stuff. But f- Facebook is a, is a business. They need to make money. I feel that I'm a business and I want to make money. And if you musicians and artists are really, you know, they want to survive, they need to sort of look at it that way too. So um, I do I do encourage the musicians to spend on Facebook if they can afford it. But I do as well. Uh, so, so, so that's an important part. But uh, organic stuff with Facebook and, and particularly Instagram. I am an Instagram convert. Um, uh, I, I I publish on Instagram pretty much at least once a day, if not twice a day. I don't try to overload it, but um, you know I ha- hashtag everybody as I say, like kids on a playground. I'm like you, 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 and um, and tag people in the images as well. Um, I had found something on the internet to just to back up a little bit in terms of promoting the shows. It's since I am a live music based event. I'm a talent based event. You know, I deal with talent. And and what I had found was that I would book somebody and they'd be like, okay, see you in six weeks. And they wouldn't really do much to promote the event. So I developed um, what I call a micro sessions artist promotion checklist that I engage them and I send them this checklist with, you know, eye rolling stuff like Put the gig on your website and link back to the ticket sales with this particular link, a customized link so I can tell where everything comes from and you can get credit for it. These kind of things. So engaging – and I found that engaging them is key. Now, when I was researching to put this checklist together last fall, I realized – that I too needed to engage this way and use these platforms. And I found a very interesting article, Business Insider, I think, um, that said um, for... Uh, and I knew nothing about hashtags. Mm-hmm. Hashtags, my impression of a hashtag was, okay, this is some somebody's smart aleck way of getting me to parse a sentence mm-hmm. that you've stretched behind a, a symbol that used to mean number. Anyway, um, so... But I realized that people search under these things and it and it's very crucial. So I found this article in Business Insider that said for Twitter, which is a text-based platform, uh, a microblogging platform, um, if you put more, two, more than two hashtags in there, the reach starts to drop.
0: Really? Interesting.
1: Instagram, image-based platform, it's when you hit 11 hashtags <laughs> that the that the reach starts to skyrocket. So,
0: different platforms have different sweet spots in terms of conversion. Exactly. So, so you laid out a bunch of strategies here. When Precisely. You're, when you're established, mm-hmm. make sure you retarget. Build a customer list, send out exactly. emails, develop that community. Yeah. Those people will tell other people and you'll start growing word of mouth organically. Exactly. That's kind of like every every event promoter wants to have that following. Mm-hmm. But how do you start that following? So in Austin, you have a following. You're growing it. You're using one strategy. Mm-hmm. In Long Island on the East Coast, this is new. So you're, you have to kind of jumpstart your following. Yes. So Facebook promotions, buying a little bit of advertising. Right. Make sure that you have somewhere for uh, potential eyeballs to land or go to. Yes. So hashtagging in Twitter, hashtagging on Instagram, producing content. And finding the the talent that you use and getting them involved. Oh yeah. <clears throat> making sure that not necessarily skin in the game, but they're promoting as well, and you're creating this network effect.
1: Yeah, I mean that it, it is skin in the game, and it, it is important for them to bring fans. And you know, I am, I impress upon these artists that you know there are four of you. <laughs> you're all in it together. If each of you brings, you know, how to get warm bodies to a show. If you can get fifty people each of you and then I can do my part all of a sudden we've got over a hundred people there and you're at a sellout exactly Boom. so um, so that's very key uh, it's, it's an Instagram like I said I'm an Instagram convert I really love it and, uh, and it's very effective I get if I get less than three or four followers a day I'm like okay something's wrong here <laughs> because uh, I try to do it creatively I have I do something called the Instagram countdown which is kind of gimmicky and very, very thin. <laughs> but it's just an image that I've I've processed through Prisma, the, the photo filter on uh, the photo filter app, made it look kind of funky. That I, It's similar to what I do with my posters and street team stuff. Um, and, and I just say 10 days until the particular band that's imaged, let's say 10 days until the Sophies, and next day it's nine days until Lauren Burton. And... And I just put very little uh, uh, text on it because another best practice for Instagram and Facebook, less than 20% text Mm -hmm. in an image will get more traffic, more reach. Um, And I just kind of do it once a day, and i found that people anxiously await this thing. (laughs) And like I said, it's the thinnest thing possible. But I tag everybody, and it just gets to the point where I'm touching, especially the artists, at least once or twice a day to say, hey, I'm over here. All you got to do is like it or share it or, hey, if you want to comment on it, you know, I try to encourage them to do all these kind of things. But that's really the way I go about promoting these things. Um, it, is, it is as much as possible organic. I try to do it, of course, without spending lot of money.
0: So let's switch gears a little mm-hmm. bit. We, we t- touched on promotion, starting, mm-hmm. best practices. Let's talk a little bit about, about ticketing, mm-hmm. which is always a challenge. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of your challenges that, that you've experienced in your events when it, as it relates to ticketing?
1: Well, clearly, uh, you're working within a, a, a specific music scene. And this backs away from technology just a little bit mm-hmm. and talks about Pricing and Mm -hmm. Um, affordability—always a challenge for an event organizer. How do you price your tickets? Yes, it's the biggest, really. It's the biggest thing we face. And so, um, you know, there are—we've kind of creeped up. uh, And you know, do you offer? uh, And I think we've settled on offering less expensive tickets through Ticketbud and more expensive tickets at the door. So, uh, a a price tier uh, system where, yeah, if you if you get online early, you get you get a better deal. Um, it helps you book the revenue sooner, puts the cash
0: in your pocket. Exactly. You can remarket. You can pay your vendors. Right. If it's making it easier for you, then you pass off a little bit of savings.
1: Precisely. Precisely. And, and it just allows you to to plan for, okay, well, how many people do I think I'm going to have this time? And, uh, like, we roughly get uh, 75% Pre-sale and about 25% at the door. So if, you know, on Saturday afternoon, this is where I'm at, I can pretty much guess where we're going to get at the door, which is good. But the challenge is, right, um, how do I make it a break-even or a profit um, uh, without, without excluding a large segment of, of uh, the ticket-buying public? Um, and I think that for what we offer right now, we're, we're, we're making that balance pretty effectively, you know, and, uh, and for obviously for New York, it's going to be a little bit different because, uh, it's a little bit more expensive there, but I think people are happy with, uh, with the ticket pricing. Now, as far as anything else related to ticketing, I guess it's just, um, uh, there really isn't much of a challenge with the system. I, I like using the system, which is fine. And um, yeah, it does. It, it makes things very simple, and the reporting is great, and the ability to target and guest list and comp things. Th- th- those are those are. You know, I'm not like I said. I'm not. I think we talked about this before the podcast. I am in the 100 to 200 audience size range, and uh, so I don't. I don't really need a lot of the parsing and the, uh, of the data, but it's, it, it is a lot of times it is helpful. I think if I was in the 2000 to 5,000 range, I would, I would, I know that TicketBud, you know, is robust and can handle those kind of things. But, um, but as for now, it's great for what I need. Um, yeah. And as far as ticketing, I think the main, yeah, the main challenges that we face, uh, are pricing and, you know, how not to price people out of it, but also remain, a viable concern
0: like you're you're, one of the things that i hear from event organizers again and again is Mm -hmm. we want to price to make sure that we can meet our obligations but we also want to price so that our consumers feel like they're getting value out of the product
1: always and of course as i mentioned i've got a great sponsor in oscar blues brewery um, and they provide me with um you know Cases of beer to distribute. Local lo, local brewer here in Austin. They are actually based in Colorado, oh, but wow. they but they have a brewery here in Austin, um, and they also have one in North Carolina and three in Colorado, which is their main headquarters. But so basically, they're a national brewer. You can get their beer; it's distributed nationally, of course. Um, but uh, and we, we also work with them up in New York too when we we hosted up there. So yes, the value proposition I think is very good. I don't, make, I don't bring people in and, you know, make them, you know, make them buy more stuff, uh, but, um, but I, think, I think it's a good deal, especially in terms of, I don't take up a lot of their time, which is valuable to people these days. Um, if they can get in and out of something like that in two hours, uh, and they can go do something else, or they can go home and pay off the babysitter, or, you know it's it that's that's it's it's
0: bang for the for the time buck
1: it is that's value to people yeah Mm -hmm.
0: so we talked about micro sessions it's origination Mm -hmm. it's unique place in the market we talked about some of the different promotions that you did we talked about ticketing this we we produce this podcast mainly for other event organizers Mm. and one thing i always like to ask is if you could rewind the clock and and go back in time and, (laughs) and tell yourself hey paul These are the things that work best, and these are the things
1: that don't do that.
0: Don't do that. You don't have to get specific. Sure. What what words of wisdom
1: would you impart? I think the first thing is is sort of scope, and it's good to be ambitious about what you want to do and what you're planning for a specific event, especially. Um, But you know, of course, as I said, you know, I'm a talent based. A uh, 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 sort of uh, long term event that happens regularly, but you know, even for you know, just specific one offs, um, y- you know, it's like I said, good to be ambitious, but you, you can always, see, it's always good to see where you can rein things in, and maybe try things out and test things out if if there's a possibility uh, to do that. Um, uh, just to give you an example, when I first started off with micro sessions in February of 2016 here in Austin. Um, the format was five groups and five 15 minute sets, and then a six longer set. Too many sets? Too many sets. So we did that three times and realized, you know, it's one of these sort of very anecdotal, human behavioral kind of things hey, everybody's leaving after the fifth set. Mm-hmm. And these musicians are playing 20 to 30-minute sets with like four people there. So it's kind of that, that old saying, always leave and wanting more. It's very much that saying. And so we cut, back, we cut back to just the four sets in the fifth set. And boom, that got us within a two-hour mark. So that became a marketing Point. So find your sweet spot. Ex- Pay attention
0: to your customers, what they're doing, and find your sweet find spot. Find your
1: sweet spot, yes. And and like I said, good to be ambitious. We wanted, I wanted to jam as many musicians and people in there as possible, but realize, okay, that's not working. Let's pull back on that. And yeah, we did. We found a really great sweet spot, and I think it works. It works very well uh, having the four X. Paul, thank you so much
0: for coming in. Micro Sessions, check them out. Their next show, April 21st here in Austin, Texas. And check them out on the East Coast as well. They're going to be doing multiple events as time goes on. Uh, Really cool. If you have two hours, you like music, you like discovery, check them out. Paul, thanks so much. Thank you, Keon.